0: The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit w2mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.
1: Sorry, oh, bitch. Boy, see now it's Eric trying to screw me <laughs> up. Not happening, in. I think we should all make I
2: think we should all take turns trying to screw up Harry to start off.
1: Yeah, well, it's not gonna work right now because <laughs> this show's been delayed enough. We need to get this some bitch on the road. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the kickoff here on the W2M Network, online at w 2 mnetcom I am your host Oops. Am Perry Broadhurst. Joining me at this time, the down since day one co-host, turned executive producer Brandon Biskabing.
2: This has been a crazy off the air uh, show.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I would agree with your idea in principle, if only that we label it point of viewer listener discretion. <laughs> Isn't that what point of viewer is anyway? Well, I'm one way or another. Speaking of the point of viewer that belongs to our executive producer turned co-host Eric Watkins.
0: Yeah, I really should have stayed away from my bookie last weekend. Did I you fail even, miserably? But, nah, nah, I broke even, ah. but it's still. Without the power of Big Dick Nick, what's the point anymore?
1: <laughs> you got too overconfident after you actually had a good week to start the postseason. You sucked all of the regular season, but one good postseason weekend, you think you're invincible. It goes straight to your head. Yeah,
0: yeah, I
2: know, I know. Straight forward. And, and, and speaking of that, Harry, don't forget who your uh, regular season champ is.
1: <laughs> lost a predictions title to you, lost a fantasy title to you. The only person you did lose to here is Eric. That is true. Buffalo did beat Jacksonville, so I got that going for me.
3: Who didn't beat Jacksonville <laughs> this to be season? on the Game of life. <laughs> and and fence with his stories, he wins the game of life.
1: True. Thank you, and especially and, after last night. And that voice you just heard is the chairman of the W two M network, Jason Teasley.
3: What's the champion, whichever you want to call me.
1: The chairman. Thank you. Fuck you. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> well, that only took about four minutes to today's show. Thank you. <laughs>
2: You, you know uh, you're going to get railed on all of next year about both of these, right?
1: Yeah, but next year, Buffalo might not suck, and my team has an actual legitimate chance at making the college football playoff as well. I know, I know. Rant forthcoming leader, I'm sure. Anyway.
3: Hold fine. on. Sidebar, sidebar. Real quick, sidebar. You wasn't the the uh, zookeeper that got attacked for having trying to have sex with the gator, was you? <laughs>
1: Let's not. I know better. Although I did find out that there's a guy in Pennsylvania who was an emotional support alligator, and now I'm trying to talk Christine into getting one.
3: You definitely should. I think so. I want talking- an emotional support penguin.
1: Harry, you
0: get an emotional support alligator. I think you would be legally required to move down here because, seriously, that is the most Florida thing.
1: I've even heard Not <laughs> even <sure. laughs> this is coming from our resident Jackson Villian. <laughs> it's time to talk about the best and the worst of last week in the NFL since college football is over. It's time for studs and duds. Eric, you lead us off as per usual.
0: Well, well uh, for, for a certain team that wears blue, that I can't stand. I do have to give them some credit. While on our last week's show, I picked one particular running back of theirs that should really step up and have a big day for them to have success, there was another one that shined. Uh, As one chiseled Adonis nicknames him, Sony PlayStation Michelle. (laughs) Literally running right through and scoring three touchdowns. It's like, I wanted to watch that game so desperately, but once it gets to 21 7 and they can just grind down the clock like that, it, it's like, what's the point? I'm just going to go to Netflix, and that's what I did. But Sony Michelle, just for that performance, you have to be my stud of the week. Oh, I feel dirty. I've had cleaner moments than that in motel rooms in the last two minutes.
1: <laughs> I, my apologies to the girls that you only lasted two minutes with. <laughs> yeah, really. Look, and, t- no, the last two minutes of me saying oh, that fair enough.
0: you wouldn't know anything about my stamina, and especially if you were to go on... <laughs> the- oh, <Michelle! laughs> he For was about
3: to go on a full-on rant there. He says that he runs marathons. That's his stamina. He he's training for the Boston Marathon. In
1: Jacksonville? Okay. Yeah, you
3: train in the
2: heat. Remember, I'm going. You know? I'm going last.
3: You train. You train in the heat. You prepare your body for the endurance that you must must overcome. And overcome. Them. And That's overcome.
1: <laughs> I hate all of you Jason stud. And stud
3: my stud is Michael Thomas I mean the kid is a freak and single handedly put the Saints on his back marched him down the field um, I mean 12 catches for 171 yards and one touchdown I mean, that's that's wide receiver one number by a long shot. That, that puts him in the at least com- conversation of top five wide receivers in the game right now. I mean, you can talk about Drew Brees being the quarterback and everything, but the kid is arguably, in my opinion, the fourth-best best wide receiver in the game right now.
1: And based on AB's performance this year, I wouldn't be surprised if you could go ahead and move him up into that top three because this was an incredibly disappointing season for Antonio Brown in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, I, last I, think
3: I, in Pittsburgh.
1: I think I saw the stats there, if I'm not mistaken. Um like second or third in the league in receiving yards this year for Thomas?
3: I don't know. I haven't, I'm looking at Florida man on Twitter. Those are some great tweets.
1: Brandon stud.
2: Uh, so does this sound familiar to you, Harry former bills, uh, former bill goes off on a tear in the playoffs for a different team?
1: are going to have to be more specific.
2: Uh, that would be one C.J. Anderson who went for 123 yards and two touchdowns for the Rams this in the divisional round.
1: Okay, I'll bite. When the hell was C.J. Anderson a bill? I thought, thought C.J. Anderson was on the bills for a bit. We had C.J. Spiller. Oh, you're right. You're right.
0: Look, if, if if you're going, Bravo, bring, If you're if you're going to bring up former players on teams of us members here and hosts on the podcast, the Rams have Dexter Fowler Jr., which means that
1: they should be favorites to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> Fair enough. Come the trading uh, deadline. Come the trading deadline every year, you get a Jaguar. you get a dragwire, you get a Jaguar. Go ahead, Jason. <laughs>
3: Thomas finished sixth with a 14,
1: 14.05. Uh, top of three, real quick.
3: Uh, Julio with 16.77. Hopkins, 15.72. And surprisingly, this one surprised me. Mike Evans at
1: 15.24. Well, that's because Mike Evans was like the only weapon that the Buccaneers really mm-hmm. had that was. Damn. And they uh, actually played
2: well in the beginning of the season with Fitzmagic.
3: Magic. Riding out the top five was Tyreek Hill, uh 1479, Juju at 1426.
1: Which kind of tells you what I meant about Antonio Brown here when the number two in Pittsburgh is in the top five in the NFL, and you'll notice that Antonio Brown's name is nowhere to be listed there.
3: He is ninth. Okay, so that's- 1297.
1: Well, Ben did lead the league in passing yards, though. Mm-hmm. So it would make sense that there would be two Steelers in the top ten. All right, so Brandon went with C.J. Anderson. I'm going to kind of expand upon that, but not by going with the obvious choice of Todd Gurley, who, in addition to C.J. Anderson's 123 and two scores, added 115 in a score of his own. I'm going to give my stud for the week to the Los Angeles Rams offensive line. 48 carries on the ground, 273 yards rushing as a team, to 50 for Dallas. And you know what's even more painful?
0: The Cowboys season average for rushing yards per game defensively, 95.
2: And and it's even more surprising in this day and age where the rushing game, you don't really see many teams getting a lot of rushing yards. I mean, I don't even know how many 200-plus rushing yard games did we get this year. Not many.
1: Well, I'm, more, I'm more curious to see how many games did we have where two teammates were each over 100 yards, because I guarantee you there probably weren't many of those. No.
0: Now look, this really shouldn't surprise anybody, because if y'all went on YouTube or Bleacher Report and saw the latest episode of Gridiron Heights, this was Sean McVay's game plan the entire time. He even referenced the 1918 Dayton Triangles. You should have seen this coming from
1: that. Can I just state that my pick for point of impact last week for the Rams was Sean McVay? I've been shot down in terms of getting a point for that, but I still think I should. (laughs) Lord, I was in favor
0: of you using that as an ace in the hole when it comes to tiebreakers, so don't go blaming me. (laughs) All
1: right, let's flip the script and move over to the other side of the football. Let's talk about our Dutch for the week. Eric? Now, uh,
0: usually when you have a very high power, very dependable quality receiver, you expect them to make big plays. Now, granted, it doesn't happen all the time. But when you got a guy driving for the win, like Big Dick Nick was in the dome, Sean Jeffrey, what happened to your hands? It was right there. Catch the ball. Keep things going. Screw with the rest of the playoffs for everybody else. I, I, I get you're human, but that doesn't stop you from being my dud. Just make the little catch. Just the one that's it. You had a great game otherwise.
1: Brandon, yours ties in so you'll go next. Yeah, my my
2: dud for the for this week is the entire <sighs> Eagles team after the first quarter. They score fourteen points to take a lead and it looks like Big Big Nick is gonna do it again, and then the next three quarters occur and they proceed to get outscored twenty-two Zilcho for the next three quarters.
0: Um, have been twenty-three. Yeah. And that way I would have covered the spread. Woo! Thank <laughs> fuck I was able to have the foresight to place my first ever first half bet. Philadelphia plus five and a half. Boy, did that help salvage things? Where
1: did you place that bet at, Eric?
0: Well, where else? On my bookie. You go to mybookie.ag. Promo <laughs> code Pat. They're in a fifty percent bonus on your first deposit. Now, even to make things even better, you don't just go to my bookie to place your bet. You go to the Action Network. ActionNetwork.com/slash/Pat. Go. Download the Action Network app. Track all your bets from your favorite sports books. And if you know a thing or two about football, enter Pat's Contest. Play for free for championship weekend. Answer a few questions. You get enough points, enough questions right. You could be walking away with three grand. I'm just
1: saying. Hashtag for the grand. Hashtag. Hashtag, we need a sponsor. Yeah, really. (laughs) But,
2: yeah, I mean, how do you go from looking like, you know, the Super Bowl team that you were last year, looking like Nick Foles can do it again, make a miracle again, to just completely and utterly crapping the bed?
0: Well, you go from that to looking like a bitch in a matter of a couple of hours. Sometimes that happens.
1: Yep, (laughs) pretty much. Uh, to the entirety of the Philadelphia Eagles organization. Man cards, please. Jason
3: Dud. Well, my dud is somebody that I, I really hate to give a dud to. If you look at the stat line, stat line looks impressive, but the three touchdowns three of the touchdowns he threw I think he threw three. Pretty sure he did. Well, two of the touchdowns he threw. Came in garbage time, and that, sir, is Mister. I-, I gotta have a kid to. I gotta have enough kids to make my own football team. Phillip Rivers, who looked good. First drive drops a nice down to Keenan Allen for forty-three yard touchdown. You think that everybody starts buying in that the Chargers are going to dethrone Philadelphia, I mean um, New England? And, um, yeah, the, the New England, Belichick put on his hoodie and Brady pulled up his turtleneck and wasn't having none of that. Um, even though Rivers did go for 331 yards and three touchdowns, most of the touchdowns were in garbage time. He did have one interception. He, they, he just had that offense looking pitiful the first three quarters.
1: Well, I don't necessarily think that you can entirely blame this on Rivers. I think you can blame this a lot on the Chargers' defense, though. And they're actually my duds for the week. Is because at one point in that game, I believe Eric said he turned it off at 21-7. to 7. I think mm-hmm. at one point that game got all the way up to 35-7. To
0: oh, yeah. I was checking along on Action Network. I saw a
1: green dot, and that's all that mattered. Because... The, the Los Angeles Chargers, we talked about this on the show. I almost called them the San Diego Chargers again. The Chargers had the early start on a Sunday, once again, on the East Coast. We've talked about this time after time after time here on the kickoff. West Coast teams do not do well with 1 p.m. Sunday starts. Uh-huh. It was unfair to the Chargers to be put into this position in the first place. And they played like a West Coast team kicking off at 10 a.m. I don't get why they do this.
0: I mean, for certain things, I agree. That would have been much better served, especially because it's the Patriots and the weather was pretty friendly. That would have been much better served as a four o'clock game. But you I mean still time slots and everything, nobody would have really cared. Well, and the The other game on Sunday was
2: the uh, Eagle Saints, correct? Yes. So so those two teams, yes, the Saints are in the Central, but that's a much lesser time differential. So yeah. it would have made more sense on a time zone basis to put them in the one o'clock slot.
0: Not to right. mention the NFL would have still adhered to their rules because at one
1: o'clock it would have been noon in New Orleans. Perfect. Let's go. Exactly. But not that hard. It just seemed like a, it just seemed like a general disservice to the Chargers in as a team to be put in that one o'clock Sunday window when there were four different windows that could have been selected. That would have put them into more of a regular timeframe for them. I talked about this with several people, even off of the show, but we've talked about it many times here on the show that West coast teams kicking off at 1 PM Eastern traditionally do not do Mm -hmm. well.
2: And I, not not trying to be a conspiracy theorist or anything, but um, I'm sure there are a lot of people that have a theory as to why they were put in that spot.
3: Well,
1: weren't they the one o'clock kick against Baltimore last Sunday as well? That's what I was going to refer. Yes. yes, this would they had to do it back to back. So to pull it off once in a season is difficult enough, let alone being asked to do it twice in a row. It was unfair to the Chargers. Now, granted, the team played like they were kicking off at 1 o'clock, specifically on defense. But the NFL scheduling committee did them no favors either. Mm -hmm.
2: I think that should be made a rule, especially for the playoffs, so as not to have these types of disadvantages, that if there's a West Coast team in the playoffs, that they cannot play earlier than 4 o'clock.
1: I mean, that's – and the, the Sunday 1 p.m. window is the only game that would start outside of their 4 o'clock window. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It, was, it just seems stupid with the other options being there to constantly put them in that 1 o'clock window on a Sunday. It, it didn't seem fair. Uh-huh. The organization, in my opinion, has a legitimate bitch about this. Uh-huh. All right. Let, let's move on to so that Happens. Eric, you kick us off once again here. So that happened.
0: All righty. Um, i, I got to dedicate my so that happened to old well, Mr. Jalen Hurts. Okay. You were in a position, right? You were backup quarterback on a national championship losing team. Thankfully, you avoided the fast food buffet at the White House. But, but still, you were absolutely on par to come back right next season and get immediate revenge on the team that kicked your ass, even though you were on the sideline. All you had to do, come on down to Miami, start a Coral Gables, ball out. Yes, you're still going to be under the right offensive guy. You would have had a choice in that matter. I don't care what anybody says. You would have pulled enough sway. With uh, Coach Diaz. But no, you, you turn down the fun and the sun and the, what should be the Orange Bowl. And I'm still pissed about that to this day, <laughs> years later. You turn all that down and get you get yourself in a, in a particular situation and going, choosing Oklahoma. No, no article that you could write in the Players' Tribune, my Alabama family. Alabama family, my ass. You're going to come down and have a great year at the U. Oh, Jesus. To to be fair,
2: and and I hate to rub it in, Eric, but um, it didn't help your case when Miami had the most disappointing season of
0: any team. No, Um, no, and I understand that. And uh, I get that a bigger dent to that case was Coach Rick retiring out uh-huh. of nowhere. Shout out to you, CMR. Thank you for your service. I legit, very legit wish you could have stayed. We were on the right track. So I understand that, that but that would make it even all the more compelling with the history, with the crap season. You can turn around and then at the very end, You're holding up a big trophy, and you can go and whip it out to Nick Saban and say, ha-ha, bitch! Uh,
1: On behalf behalf of disappointing seasons, as far as Miami goes, Auburn would like to have a word.
2: (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. But
1: I think another thing, I, I think to
2: your point, Eric, I think that's what he's trying to do, but in a much more direct way. I think he thinks... Because of Kyler Murray leaving, um, he think uh, I'm assuming he's got some sort of agreement where he's going to be the starter at Oklahoma. He thinks that Oklahoma gives him a better chance of getting to a national championship and beating Alabama directly,
0: or
1: so he thinks. Well, yes, doc, of course. Doc, doc. I do believe the words you're looking for there, Eric, are "don, don, dun Dramatic reverb, Jason. So that happened.
3: So okay. that happened. Oklahoma Sooners are bitches. Thank you. Um, the reason why I say this is basically because there's no homers to report this week, but yet I have a homer story. Oklahoma, who has a graduate transfer in Austin Kendall, that is now when we first when I first chose this story. Oklahoma was blocking him, even though he graduated from Oklahoma and still has two years of eligibility left. They were blocking him from coming to West Virginia to play football. Yeah, you might wonder why that's a big deal, why, why it kind of goes sideways up my ass. At one is I'm a West Virginia fan. If you have never listened to this show, you probably never know. If you listen to this show when college football is going on, You'd probably think I'm an asshole because I picked West Virginia for just about everything. I was I was the the pure definition of homer. But why I got the burn in my ass was: Have you ever heard of Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield? Both were transfer quarterbacks. Mayfield even transferred in the conference, and due to Oklahoma's of the Big 12, he was granted an extra year of eligibility while at Oklahoma. So it's a walking contradiction. And Oklahoma did land a big-name quarterback that was coming in and that led to this transfer. But it kind of proves that Oklahoma and Texas – Kind of get special privileges in the Big 12. Is this really a
2: surprise to you? That's because
0: if they realize if Oklahoma and Texas leave, there would be no more Big 12.
3: Yeah, there would. The Big 12 would be the Big 12 could survive without one of them. Now, both of them leave, yeah, but if Texas was to leave or Oklahoma, either or. The Big 12 will still flourish and still be a Power 5 conference.
0: And I'm not so sure about that. That is a little bit debatable depending on which one. Also, I think it would survive without Oklahoma, but without Texas, it would be problematic.
2: Also, if one were to leave, the, it would start the domino effect like we saw in the past with other conferences like the Big East. Well,
3: yeah, but.
1: I would think that the the conference hurt the hardest by that would probably be the Mountain West or uh, Conference USA. Mm -hmm. Just because I I think the American Athletic would be out of the scope of the Big 12. Then again, West Virginia was a Big East slash American Athletic conference. Well,
2: not necessarily Uh,
1: because one team that I've been, actually
2: two teams that I've been saying should go to the Big 12 are in
1: the American. I believe we've had this conversation on the show before in Houston and SMU.
3: Yes. And actually, on a sidebar, I I noticed this, you know, in my infinite wisdom. When we did our pregame, game pre-game episodes, our pre-season episodes, and this is how ironic, this is why they call me the Ginger Domus. Who was my pick to be the non-Power 5 team to Cause a ruckus. Does anybody remember? Houston? That's correct. Who is now the head coach at Houston?
1: Yeah, true. Dana Holderson, the former from? coach of
3: West Virginia. Hey, if you keep running in circles, you'll end up right where you need to be at the beginning.
1: <laughs> Brandon, so that happened.
2: I, I think this is one of the first time. Now, granted, mine is kind of, you know, if you want to say that it's college football related, it's kind of both, so. But I think this is one of the first times that all of our so that happens have been college related so far. Um, but Kyler Murray has declared for the NFL Draft. Now, he hasn't officially declared that he is going to play football. He is still basically hedging his bets there, saying, based on pretty much based on where I get picked, I'll decide where I want to go, which... Uh, it'll be interesting to see how uh, how that impacts his draft stock. But for, first off, where do you guys think he should go? And secondly, does this impact how both both on the college and pro side how football and baseball teams handle these two these dual sport players?
0: Uh, I'll kind of interject a little bit for the second question. Not really. Because believe it or not, many people don't remember even Jameis Winston was on the Florida State's baseball You're team right. well. Yes, You're right.
2: No, I remember that.
0: Yeah, he was quite a successful reliever. Had a great fastball. But that was just kind of discounted. So I don't think on the college level that will be much of an effect. If anything, it would give college baseball a boost because outside of the College World Series in Omaha, that's not
1: really talked about. Which is a sad state of affairs mm-hmm. because college baseball has actually gotten thoroughly more entertaining over the years here, and uh, especially uh, now, in, in my opinion, as they're allowing the kids to use the wooden bats again.
0: Oh, yeah. I completely agree. When they started transitioning from the metal bats To the special metal bats that acted like wood ones, Mm -hmm. now to the wood ones, it's been fantastic because it's now more real baseball.
2: And also it's an easier transition to both the summer leagues and, and eventually into the MLB system.
1: Like that was always my that was always my biggest problem with college baseball was the fact that they were using those goddamn aluminum bats well mm-hmm.
2: back in twenty ten they switched to the hybrid bats, which was
1: a little closer to the wood and when they started to switch away, like Eric said, when they started to switch away from the uh from the straight aluminum bats to using the more aluminum metal the uh, aluminum wood hybrids of the uh the combos kind of. That's when I started paying much more attention here. I mean, I couldn't tell you, like, which prospects in college baseball are going to land in the MLB because, honestly, it's such a crapshoot with the minor league baseball system. Yeah, but exactly. That said, I think. That being said, I think the quality of game and the kind of games that they're having in college have markedly improved ever since the transition has been made.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, well,
1: of course. And going to the
0: first question, if you kind of look at his path and see where he would go, I would rather see him in the NFL because, let's face it, shout out to Billy Bean. and The A's have a good front office buoyed by him. But let's be real. The A's aren't really one of the top MLB franchises. Uh-uh. They're also another team looking to get out of Oakland. I think outside of any kind of all-star event or if he would play in the Futures game, he'd be in the minors for a couple of seasons, and he would be mired in anonymity. So I think for him, granted it's a much bigger risk to his body, but the NFL would be a bit of a bigger payoff going down the road.
2: Well that's the, that's the thing about the difference between baseball and football is that football it's a bigger toll on your body but you get more guaranteed money up front and you're in the pros the, the true pros right away. Whereas in baseball it's more of a grind to your body than the direct impact of football. Yes, you're in the minors for at least a couple of years, and it's not as much of a guarantee. But if you make it, you make a lot more money in baseball as a big-time major leaguer than you would in the NFL.
0: Yeah, but if you yes. make it. Oh, no, of course. He, That's the he, big Yeah, if. Yeah, and say he spends five years in the minors. Then he comes up. Mm-hmm. Not everybody is going to get contracts like a Mike Trout. Oh, no, of Like course a not. Bryce Harper. So even then, yes, you have a much bigger, a much higher ceiling, but it is so much more exponential in baseball than it is in football. Mm-hmm. In football, you have a much higher floor.
1: Yes. Well, that was going to be kind of my thought process here is based on the fact that he is the re- the reigning Heisman trophy winner. I think that there's going to be an excitement to see him in a national football league franchise right now. So sure. mm-hmm. where do I think he would go? I think he's going to be a mid first round pick. Uh, I saw Mel Kuyper jr's ESPN plus thing where he discussed his, uh, his uh, first round picks for this year. And I think Kuyper has him going to the dolphins at like 16. Ooh. But- Ooh. But that's
2: an, that, that was part of my second question. Do you think that him not distinctly saying that I am going to the NFL, do you think that drops his draft stock at all?
1: I, I have think heard if, that... Oh, you go ahead, Harry. I was going to say, I think that if a team is interested enough in him, it's not going to matter because they're going to feel that they can put together an offer that'll convince him to pick football sure. or baseball. Sure.
0: Yeah, because I have heard that... If he was 100% committed to the NFL, he would be a first-round pick. But mm-hmm. as he currently stands, where he's kind of sitting on the fence, now they're talking second or third. Well, but, see, that's the thing. Yeah, and but I think with Harry, I do agree. Now that he is in the draft, and if they can find a way to get him to the Combine, a lot of general managers are really going to start thinking because if they can get him in the interview process, not even to commit, but to kind of maybe do some leading questions into a kind of a sales pitch, that'll dramatically affect that decision. Because the A's, all the reports of them offering $15 million, those have been debunked. So, at most, they'd be offering him, what, maybe 10? Yeah, so... I, I don't know what
2: the, I, well, I don't think there really is a distinctive cap on how much you can you can uh, pay for draft picks, but, like, I think there is kind of like a, you know, there is a ceiling to it.
0: Yeah, they're, they're, with the rookie wage scale, where you drafted all this, and that there is that little bit of a cap. Plus, if he's not drafted in the first round, that automatically affects the kind of contract lengthwise you can offer uh-huh. him. So there's a lot of number crunching going on from both the A's as an organization and from these NFL teams as organizations.
1: Uh, if I'm not mistaken to Eric's point there, I believe first round is five, anything after is 3
0: Mm-hmm.
2: mm-hmm. What one more question before we move on. Do you think we'll ever see another Deion Sanders or Bo Jackson? No. No. I think I, the,
1: I, I agree. In, in terms of the physicality that in terms of the physicality that these sports take out of these athletes' bodies now, I don't think that we're going to ever get to the point that we see somebody that's playing football when football season's on. And then is able to transition to baseball or vice versa, just because I think that there is too much of a talent gap now in the varying levels of the two franchises. Could we see somebody go from one sport to another, like Tim Tebow is attempting to do? Yes. But the reason Tebow is trying to do baseball is because he washed out as a professional Mm -hmm. football player. That that was
2: actually going to be a um, secondary. So that happened for me. The Mets have uh, said that he's going to be on their 40 man roster for spring training.
1: And, and well, that is because he
0: sells tickets. Well, yeah, yeah, <clears throat> and that's great for him because of the grind that he's been in the minor leagues and he's been working up through the system. He's proving to be a better baseball player than a quarterback. But honestly, even if he didn't have all of that pride of being a quarterback, he had the potential to be what we're seeing out of Taysom Hill now. Minus the actual ability to throw a football,
1: Jason. You've been pretty quiet here. What are your thoughts on this?
3: Fuck Kyler Murray.
1: Thanks. <laughs> Helpful. Okay, I guess that's all we're gonna get there.
0: So, Brains.
1: Yes. So, <laughs> so Brains. The man of few that- words. <laughs> So Brandon mentioned that everybody up to this point had selected a college story for So That Happened. Usually, I'm the resident college apologist on this show, and the rest of you guys are talking NFL. Today, I flipped the script, and I have the NFL story for you, and it's probably the biggest NFL story to come out of the divisional round, to me anyway. And that is the story about Kansas City Chief Offensive Lineman Jeff Allen. For the snowstorm... That hit the city of Kansas City on Sunday or Saturday before the game. Jeff Allen was on his way to the game on Saturday and proceeded to get stuck. And proceeded to get rescued by a homeless man. I do not like the Chiefs. I do not care for the Chiefs. Robert Taylor can suck one.
3: Fuck Robert Taylor.
1: It is not and it never will be Mahomes time on this show. Oh, yes, it is. No, 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 no. I know, it's coming my home. Shut the fuck up, Eric, anyway. (laughs) All right, as I was saying, but I have to give all credit to Jeff Allen here. Did something he did not have to do. To the man that rescued him from the snowbank that his car got stuck in on the way to the game, gifted the guy tickets to the AFC title game this Sunday. Class act by Mm -hmm. Jeff Allen. You guys, his thoughts on the story. Anything to add?
3: Leave,
0: leave, leave it to the linemen, I the unsung heroes to go out there and do these kinds of things and stuff behind the scenes. hmm Well that that
2: be well, because they're used to it. They're used to being the guys that, you know, no one pays attention
1: to. It's it's still a cool story all the same. Oh I mean, yeah, I agree. I, I, I I barely knew the name Jeff Hallam. If you asked me to name a Kansas City lineman outside of Eric Fisher, I probably couldn't do it.
0: I I think that doctor, but I think he plays on the defensive line, doesn't he?
1: I uh, couldn't name the starting lineman on uh, their defensive side either. I don't pay enough attention to the Chiefs. We'll talk more about what's going to (laughs) happen. We're going to talk more about what's going to happen with Kansas City a little bit later on in the show when we do our series predictions for the conference. Laurent
0: oh, Duvernay-Tardif?
1: Right. What he said? <laughs> Mostly because I'm not sure what he said.
0: No, that's his name, Laurent
1: <laughs> Duvernay-Tardif. Ooh,
3: Beans and disease to you too, Eric. <laughs>
1: Is that the MD that's on their defensive line? Yes. Okay. At least I got that much correct. I got that going for me. I'm not I'm not hitting complete triple zeros over here. <laughs> so let's talk about point of impact from last week, shall we? Let's do it. All right. Oh. The Kansas City versus Indianapolis game. The point of impact player was selected to officially be Damian Williams. I actually outright selected Williams. Eric took the Kansas City running backs. Since I picked Williams specifically, I got the point. The New England and Chargers game, we've all agreed that the MVP for that game was Sony Michelle. Eric took James White. He got half a point for White's performance out of the backfield, but not a full point because of the fact that Michelle because Michelle was actually the one who had the the big, game, the big game on the ground running for three touchdowns. The New Orleans-Philadelphia game, we've officially decided to award the player of that game to Michael Thomas. Eric selected Michael Thomas, he gets a full point. The Rams and Cowboys game, we officially gave it to C.J. Anderson, Brandon had taught Gurley, which sucks to be Brandon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right right position, wrong, wrong player. Guy. Pretty much the same thing as Eric, just without the receiving yards to back it up. Yep. At least my player caught some passes. <laughs> 15 of them, a divisional playoff record, I believe Jason pointed out to me before we started the show. Jason, mm-hmm. is that correct? That is
3: Correct.
1: So, an impressive performance by James White. He looks to reiterate that performance once again at 6 o'clock on Sunday. However, instead, we talk 3.30 on Sunday, as it will be Fox for the Los Angeles Rams at the New Orleans Saints. Eric, who is your impact ram for this game?
0: Mine is going to be Jared Goff. Can he overcome... Fading down the stretch in his last performance in the Superdome, which was over that wild and crazy 45-35 game. And can he really get back to that early season form? He's gone a few games without a touchdown pass, and he's looked not quite rookie year bad, but definitely more mediocre. While the Saints are proving to be a tougher more intimidating defense as the time goes, you can still get into a shootout with this team. It's going to be tougher, but golf really needs to step up in the passing game. That way, any sort of ground performance will be a bonus rather than a
1: necessity. Brandon.
0: My,
2: my impact player, I'm going to go impact player and then, uh, one extra my impact player i have to agree with eric it's gotta be jared goff not only is it you know like eric said he started to fade down the stretch in the game last week but also this is the furthest they've ever gotten in the playoffs this is his first time in a championship game and it's in the superdome which is notoriously hard to go into and win so he's gonna have to keep his his uh, nerves intact. He's going to have to really focus if they want to win this game. And also, I'm going to say an impact uh, person as well is going to be Sean McVay. Because same as Goff, it's his first time in an NFC Championship game. And they're really going to have to be focused and show that they're that they're for real in this game.
3: Jason. They gotta be who we thought they were. Exactly.
1: hmm And don't let them off the hook. Jason, who's your impact ram?
3: Ram impact ram. I'm gonna go with CJ Anderson. Ty Gurley's knee is being reported <laughs> as not not being a hundred percent. I think that they're they're gonna uh, use Gurley sparingly. So I'm going to go with Anderson to to have another big day.
1: I have a very bold prediction to make here for my impact player because I'm going to do something that we usually don't do here. I'm going defense. The Rams do not win a shootout against the Saints. The Rams do win a defensive game and it is on the shoulders of one Aaron Donald to make sure that it is said defensive game. Donald has to control the line of scrimmage and has, has, has to put pressure on Drew Brees and to keep Alvin to keep Alvin Kamara and why am I drawing a blank? Line Marvin, Melvin Ingram, Mark Ingram the third. All right, all right, Mark, right. Melvin Gordon, <sighs> Mark Ingram the third silenced. It is going to be imperative that the Los Angeles defense dominates the line of the scrimmage if the Rams have any chance of winning this game. Therefore, my impact Ram is NFL sack leader Aaron Donald. Brandon, let's move over to the other side here. Let's talk about the New Orleans Saints. Who's your impact saint?
2: My impact saint is going to be Michael Thomas. He has to have another huge performance like he had this past week against the Eagles Obviously, Drew Brees is going to be another big guy to look out for, but if Michael Thomas can have another huge game like he had this past week, then the Saints are going to be on their way to another Super Bowl.
1: Jason,
3: um, yeah, hmm. I'm I'm trying to think because I, I, the direction I want to go in, I will not get any points. Sean Payton? Because, yeah. yes. Due to his, yeah, I wouldn't go Sean Payton due to his motivational tactics of putting the Lombardi Trophy in $250,000 and telling the Saints to win three goddamn games.
0: I thought it was only 201000
3: Close enough. Was 250, it was two fifty, I thought. Try, try, trying
0: to continue
2: Bounty Gate, I see.
3: No, he wasn't yeah. telling people to go
1: after people with that. He was- Telling them yeah, to in a, a one
3: one B, I'm gonna go with um I wanna go with Hill. I think that they're gonna line him up in various formations to try to get uh looks that you typically wouldn't get, and he's the ultimate Swiss Army knife utility player for the Saints offense.
1: You know, I just found out that there's a very strong chance that my original impact player isn't going to play, so I can't pick him. My original impact player on this game was going to be Benjamin Watson, but rumors are circulating that Watson has been ruled out. Therefore, uh, I
0: Yep, they said he'll be back.
1: If they win,
0: he'll be back for the Super Bowl.
1: Therefore, I'm going to talk about the League of Unheralded Heroes that Drew Brees has, and I'm going to discuss his wide-receiving core outside of Michael Thomas because I think that the Rams are going to try to focus on Michael Thomas. Therefore, my impact Ram for this game, or my, excuse me, my impact Saint for this game is going to be Keith Kirkwood.
3: Uh, I think... I mean, that's a possibility.
1: I, I think that the Rams are going to have... Uh, Marcus Peters focused on Michael Thomas and tried to shut him down. Rather or not, Marcus Peters shows up for this game is an entirely different story. We'll see what happens. Inconsistency, thy name is Marcus. That being said, Kirkwood and Tommy Lee Lewis are two of the names that have been out of absolutely nowhere this year who have helped combine to help Drew Brees become once again one of the NFL's top quarterbacks and the NFL's most accurate quarterback this year. Kirkwood and Lewis both have to have big games. I think Kirkwood has a bigger game, even if the Rams attempt to shut down Michael Thomas. Eric, who do you got? I'm
0: actually going with a little bit of a tandem. I was originally going to say just Mark Ingram because for Drew Brees to be comfortable and trying to establish themselves as an an identity of a defensive team they need to be able to open up the running game and have the Rams defensively not crowd the box. That will open up routes, everything for the receivers. But it's not just him himself. Alvin Kamara, he had a solid first half of that game. Really, well, rather solid second half because he wasn't really properly utilized. Not a lot of plays. Ran to him last week, but if he can, if they go into that situation offensively again, and he can take advantage of the few touches that he does get, give himself the opportunity to get even more touches, tempo, tempo, tempo. More things will open up, not to mention, you saw the
1: dime that he was able to catch from Taysom Hill. Come on now. I'm going to state for the record, Eric, that since you picked a combo instead of one, you're only eligible for a
3: half point there.
1: That's fair. I'll take a half. Point. I get
3: full. I get full points, though, right?
1: Depending on how Sean Payton's performance does.
3: Well, I also took uh, Taysom Hill, who's going, to, who with Ben Watson's going to be out is going to be in that utility player slot. All right, Tyson
1: then how about I write Downhill as your impact player then? So that way you have more of an eligibility chance. Fair?
3: Okay. We'll we'll go with that. Okay.
1: We move to the 6 o'clock game on Sunday as the AFC Championship sees the New England Patriots traveling to Arrowhead to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. Jason, you lead us off with those bastard Patriots.
3: I'm going to take the bastard Patriots. I'm going to take Tom Brady and his beautiful turtleneck and maybe he'll get a high five by somebody on the sidelines because I mean, he is the greatest quarterback in the game currently. Uh, you had 15 weeks to prepare for this matchup again. him and Belichick and and the fact that he after the game, when he was interviewed by the world's shortest reporter, uh, he pointed out that, you know, that chip on his shoulder is still there, and I'm pretty sure that he's going to come out and throw for like a billion yards and 12 touchdowns.
1: I think this is going to be a very close game. Therefore, I think that it's going to come down to the brand, as it were. And in this particular instance, I'm referring to Steven Guskowski. If yeah. This game comes down to the fourth quarter, and it is a kicker's battle of who can hit the clutch kick. I trust Gostkowski a lot more than I do anybody that's kicked for Kansas City lately, now that they no longer have Cairo Santos. Hey, Eric.
0: Man, the Butkers has been a good kicker for them, but again, you got to go with Goskowski. Although the uh, the the big uh, clutch
2: kicker came up short this past week.
1: Uh, in fairness, Indianapolis was never really in that game against Kansas City. True,
2: either. true. But Vinatieri and, did miss a few. How
3: dare, you, how dare you disrespect Vinny?
2: Besides,
3: who else, else could,
0: who else could knock that patch of snow off the upright like he did?
3: Parky. <laughs>
1: Fair. Perky, to, yeah. be fair, to be fair, Parky would have knocked the snow off of all three. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, who's your standout, who's your impact player for the New England Patriots this Sunday? Given how Andy
0: Reid is a king about making adjustments, and I'm going to tease this if he faces a team that he's faced in the regular season in the playoffs, he's 14 and 3. Now, I say that to say this. It's not going to be on the entire Patriots' defense. I am really looking at their defensive backfield. And, yes, I'm going with another combo. How can they match up with all the weapons that Kansas City has at receiver to, like they did in the first game, help to contribute to confusing Patrick Mahomes. How many different looks are they going to have along with that front seven? How many disguises are they going to pull? And then how will they actually react in coverage? Because the Colts held him without a touchdown pass and lost. You can slow him down, give the ball back to Tom Brady. You've got a chance to take the team and him to. Well, would regrettably be another Super Bowl.
1: <clears throat> what What's the old Kenny mainline? You can't stop them. You can only hope to contain them. Yep, you'd be correct, Brandon. Uh, my impact
2: player. I'm I'm going with another guy that had another big had a big week this past week. I'm gonna go with Sonny Michelle. Uh, if they can have a good ground game. And if they can have a good running game, that's going to put a lot of pressure on the Chiefs' defense, which is going to open up holes for Brady, who can basically throw a ball through any sort of defense. But especially if he can get some holes in that defense, he's going to tear them to shreds.
1: I'm going to make a bold prediction right now, Brandon, and say that you're wrong by saying that if the Patriots win this game... James White has the bigger performance than Sony Michelle does because the Chiefs will be keyed in on Sony Michelle and not so much on James White.
2: True. I'll, I'll give you that.
1: Front Sonny C- Michelle. Kansas City's impact player here. I start this one and.
3: You know what? You know you, gotta <laughs> you, know you, you know, got to you do know, it. You know you got it. You want to do it.
1: I don't want to. I don't want I don't want the point if I'm correct either. I'll take it if you I'll want. take
2: it too. I think we're probably all in agreement on this one.
3: I'm not.
2: You
1: know what? I'm going with Tyreek Hill.
3: I am in agreement with that.
1: So it's two against Ty- two, I guess then. I, yeah. I I think that Tyreek Hill is the deciding factor here. I think Tyreek Hill is going to have to break at least two long touchdown
3: passes because I'm going to come down to the yak.
1: Yeah. The, the chiefs are not going to win a low scoring game against the Patriots. You know how we talked earlier about how the Rams don't, the Rams win a low scoring game against the saints, not a shootout. The chiefs win a shootout against the Patriots, not a low scoring game because I would trust Tom Brady in a low scoring game far more than I would trust Patrick Mahomes in a low scoring game. That being said, if we can have Ty- Tyree killed, Travis Kelsey, and the rest, uh, Sammy Watkins, much though it pains me to say that because of him being a former Bill. Uh, uh, Travis, or uh, Benjamin, Kelvin Benjamin. Two different Buffalo Bills fucking me over. <laughs> I think <I'm> be- <laughs> Anyways.
0: You- okay. What well, Once they scatter to the different teams across the league and they win championships and you continue not to, like me, you just get used to it. And then some of them even go on to become offensive coordinators. No, I'm not bitter. (laughs) I want to punch people, but I'm not bitter.
1: Just real quick here to to wrap this up here. Jason, since you're in agreement with me here, I'm going to have you speak next as well here. Uh, Buy or sell that the Chiefs win a shootout, not a low-scoring game.
3: Uh, I want to sell that because the Chiefs aren't going to (laughs) win. Period. Period. I think it's gonna I think, it, I think it's gonna well, let me finish calm your tits, okay, get' them under control. <laughs> uh, I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be a very clock management game on the uh, side of the Patriots. Uh Brady and Belichick have prepared for that. They know they can't get in a shootout with Mahomes and the chiefs. So I think it's going to be that ground, ground and pound, grinding the clock down long substantial drives, a lot of dink and dunk passing to get first downs. So I think that the only way the Chiefs have a chance is if they try to have a track meet with New England, which I don't see Belichick happening.
1: All right, Eric, go ahead. Robert Taylor will love you forever. Shall,
0: shall we do our little thing, Eric? Yes. Yes, indeed we can.
3: Do, well, do you want me to you ask? Guys, if, you... if you guys are going to stroke each other on air, I'm going to go ahead and sign off.
0: <laughs> no! Shut up, Jason. No, 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 <laughs> I, I, I'll ask. Okay. I'm looking up at the clock and I, I, I can't quite read it, it was, Brandon, what time is it? I believe it's Mahomes time. It, it is. Hashtag it's coming Mahomes. But, I, but from my perspective, I'm going to see this, and I'm going to talk about this more and get it together, but given the weather and given how he performed in the weather last week, Mahomes' five worst games By QBR, are the five coldest games he's played in. Now, again, I'll get into more specifics in the weather later on, but I think that's going to be a factor. Now, if he can improve upon his performance in the snow last week, be comfortable, and hopefully, Kansas City's had one or two outdoor practices throughout the course of this week to help get him acclimated. He can do that and help with the mitigated level of speed that he's going to have. While it won't be a shootout, it will be a moderately scored game and he gives himself a great chance. But if they can, if the Patriots can exploit his weaknesses like the Colts tried to, that it's gonna be problematic.
2: Yeah, I mean Go ahead, Braden. Yeah. Um he and, and I'll put a little um extra um plus one for uh Andy Reid here. Uh but this is another big moment for Mahomes to really prove that he is what everyone, especially all the Chiefs fans, are saying he is. You know, he, he's beaten Brady once already this year. Can well, he do New it England again? Oh, wait, you're right, you're right. Um, so, but he's he's seen what New England can do. Can he make the adjustments to be able to beat them this time around? Um, and this is going to be a big defining moment for him in, in his young career.
1: You guys want to know why I'm not picking Patrick Mahomes here?
3: Why? fuck Patrick Mahomes.
1: Okay, let's move on. Um, The reason I'm not picking Patrick Mahomes for this year is because, quite simply put, I do not trust what basically amounts to a rookie quarterback against Bill Belichick in a playoff. Oh, I agree. That's why I'm saying he is the key player, win or
2: lose. Either he's going to have one of his Mahomes time type games and the Chiefs are going to be able to pull this out, or he's going to show that he's a rookie quarterback and, like what Eric said, fall under the pressure of the cold weather,
1: and that will lead to Kansas City's doom. See, I don't even think that the weather's going to be that big of a factor here, despite the fact that I I know about the snowstorms in the the Midwest area. Believe me, living in a Midwest state myself, I'm subject to them. We're expecting... Between, uh, we're recording on Friday night for those wondering, due to, well, I'll explain that a little bit later on towards the end of the show. But recording on Friday night, between Saturday and Sunday here in the Midwest, it is estimated that anywhere between a foot to three feet of snow is going to fall in certain places. The area where I'm at specifically up here in is Ohio, and we're expecting a foot and a half. So Eric mentioned the cold weather. I'm going to stand by the statement that I've made here. Yes, Patrick Mahomes has had an absolutely fantastic season overall, top to bottom. It physically pains me to give the guy credit, but I am going to. That being said, and we've seen it many times over, he made a veteran, one of the NFL's elite quarterbacks in Phillip Rivers, look inadequate at times and... Comp- barely competent at others. Most of what, like Jason said earlier, most of what Rivers got in terms of his stat line was in garbage time after the game was already sealed away. If the Chiefs find themselves down early to the Patriots, Belichick is going to scheme up stuff and going to send the houses after Mahomes and his running back and his wide receivers to disrupt that offense as best as he can and I feel like New England's game plan is going to set Mahomes up for a very long Sunday night at Arrowhead. I can agree with that. Mm-hmm. All right. Eric. Yes. Get it together.
0: My in it together is I teased Kansas City meteorologists. Just a mere 48 hours ago, the dominant headlines, Arctic Blast, 15 below zero wind chill, coldest game in the history of Arrowhead, and dramatically, yes, even with the snowstorm, estimated temperature at kickoff for Sunday's game, 33 degrees. Now, I know a weatherman has said, he was a weatherman from Washington, D.C. back in the day. He stated predicting the weather for, for even just a few days out is harder than putting a man on the moon. And we haven't done that in some 40 years. But still, you're predicting all of this and all these drastic conditions and wind and snow Now you're amounting to a 50-degree swing in temperatures over the span of two days. I get inaccuracies. I live in Florida where the weather changes every five minutes, and that's on a good day. But for all the impact on this game, and especially the wild swings on the totals, for Christ's sake, meteorologists, get it together.
1: (laughs) Jason.
3: Um, my get-it-together actually is going back to a topic that Brandon spoke on earlier, and it's going to be Kyler Murray. You need to decide what you're going to do, bro. Either you're going to be a baseball player or a football player. You need to get it together. Pick one and flourish.
1: I'll agree with that. Honestly, given the fact that he's a Heisman Trophy winner, he may be better off choosing baseball because we've seen history not be kind to yeah, Heisman no. Trophy in the NFL.
3: Well, mm-hmm. I would put two two Heisman Trophy winners in the MLB.
1: Uh oh, God, what's the name? Char- the Florida State quarterback, Charlie Ward. Thank you. No, that he no. wasn't in baseball. In Tebow. Yeah, he Tebow. NBA.
3: In the NBA. Yeah. Tim Tebow or Kyler yeah, Murray? Yeah.
1: Why did I forget Tebow? Because he's
2: irrelevant now.
1: Maybe Florida fans just want to forget that 2018 uh, uh, church boys and convicts. Apparently, he took a key <laughs> from Miami. Hi, huh, Eric.
0: Well, hey, at least we can all start off by saying a priest, a racist, and a murderer walked onto a football field. <laughs> After all the stuff that we've done, we can't even say that. And look at what happened to your coach. I mean, yeah.
2: (laughs) Brandon, get it together. My get it together for this week is college football, and yes, it is related to the. Tread lightly. It is related to the Almighty Playoff to an extent, but can you can you guys figure out what I'm about to reference? Something that had to happen this week.
3: It's probably something we discussed like a week or two ago. No. You're just now catching up to no, the No, no,
2: no, 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 no. A record 135 non-seniors, underclassmen, declared for the NFL draft. Damn! College football, you need to either create a real playoff system or do something to make these players actually want to stay rather than going to play real ball in the NFL.
1: I don't know about this real ball business, but... It is. I actually did see the story about the 135 underclassmen declaring eligibility. That being said, I do think that we're going to see a significant portion of that take away their declarations before the draft once they meet with the scouts, once they go through the combine and everything. We, I, would not be, I, w- I would not be surprised to see a higher-than-normal number coming out of college football this year. But at the same time, there are a lot of people that always declare early, and then they end up backing out. Oh, so always- I'm not
2: disagreeing with that, but this, is, this record broke the record that was set last year, so it seems to be rising every year now, and that is not a good sign for college football. It is showing that these players would much rather go and make money and actually be, you know, be rewarded for playing well than playing in meaningless games.
0: Now, I, I will say this to Brandon's point. Number one, look at all of the immediate hype surrounding Trevor Lawrence. We talked about, and I've mentioned, how executives saying, Oh, if he could come out right now, he would be the number one overall pick as a true freshman. Number two, these next couple of years are going to be very telling because not just from the perspective of the NFL, with these other leagues like the AAF starting this season, and especially if that gets a year under its belt, If these players will see alternatives and see these other leagues as a springboard to the NFL, which for a couple of them they're trying to be, that would give more incentive, even if they don't even declare for the NFL draft. Or they declare they don't like where they stand. Well, they just leave college and go and go and play in one of these other leagues. That would lessen college football, potentially. I don't know how much. But that would further Brandon's point. The more alternatives there are, the more viable the alternatives, that would put at least a very small crimp into things.
1: I can see where you're coming from in terms of the AAF, the XFL, and the Freedom Football League, which, again, I don't think sees the light of day as far as playing an actual game.
0: So I am that, I not counting that whatsoever.
1: Mm-mm. That being said... I do agree with you in that I do think that the more options that are out there the more likely we are to see an, an effect on the players in college football. Therefore mm-hmm. I would not be surprised to see the NCAA passed out some kind of legislation where you have to stay a minimum or you have to stay a minimum of three seasons. I thought that was the case no.
0: already that that's the current rule you have to be three years
1: removed
0: from your graduating high school class.
1: Well then, what are you saying that they're going to do to incentivize these players that aren't staying already? Though, what is there that can be done other than but, a short of short of pay to play? What what else can be done?
2: Well, at least for some of them, actually make it to where they're actually playing for something. I mean, a lot okay.
1: of a lot you of these play players. Okay, nat- okay. To your point, Brandon, you want to play for national championship? Don't go to Louisiana Tech. Well, some players don't
2: have—there's a lot of players that don't have that choice, where they're not highly touted coming out of high school. They don't get the, the big-name uh, schools looking at them, but then they excel in college, and instead of playing in, in meaningless games, they're able to go into the NFL and not only make money, but actually be playing for something.
0: What so I say- it's, ba- it, it's basically like a restructuring to where it's similar to FCS Division Two, II, Division Three. Uh-huh. You do have some situations where certain conferences have one or two bowl games, like the Celebration Bowl and the FCS do something more like that, but you have an overarching playoff. Uh-huh. That being short sure to of pay-to-play, you're right that would be the primary solution. If you can't manage that, then you are going to have to go deeper down that rabbit hole.
2: Because, I mean, I haven't looked too much into the numbers, and I don't think anyone has really done a big study on this, but I think a lot of the big-time college basketball players, if they have an opportunity to win a national championship, they may stay an extra year. Instead of disagree. jumping to
1: the NBA. Eh, n- strongly not entirely. Disagree at, strongly disagree at major universities. At universities that aren't necessarily your traditional powerhouses, i.e. your Gonzagas, your your teams in the Big uh-huh. East, Villanova being an example, although they had three freshmen declare for the draft last year after winning the national title. Well, that was after so- winning the
2: national championship. They, they, they got there. They accomplished what they wanted.
0: Yeah, but see, here's the thing. That you're, you're already seeing that with those subversions now. You have a basketball player take a million-dollar internship and already be signed and set up to have a shoe deal so when he's eligible, he can go right into the NBA. The NBA expanding their footprint with the G League. The G League upping their salaries to say, hey, if you want to play right out of high school, rather than go to a college for a year, come play in the G League for a year, then get your call up to the NBA. Uh-huh. So with that, they should be looking at something in college basketball like the rumored two or none system that they want to implement so that way that can fix that. Whereas for the uh, football it's much, much different. If these options pan out, you're going to see football players take more and more of a route as basketball players are able to do. Again, with slight tweaks.
1: There's too many many variables at play in terms of the amount of players that are going to declare early for these drafts here. I think that I would rather look at the finalized numbers of how many of these declared names actually stayed declared by the time the draft rolled around. Because out of that one hundred, uh, what did you say it was? One hundred and thirty-five. Yeah. Well, I would say at least I would say at least a third of that, at least forty, pulled their names out of contention for the draft. How many pulled out last year?
2: Because I remember, I, I think when I read the article, it said hundred and ten or somewhere around there for last year.
1: I would have to find those numbers, and that's not something I'm going to have time to do while we're on air here, All since right. we're about to wrap up with our yeah. predictions. But I can try to have those numbers for you, but the next time we do a show. Okay. All right. My get it together goes to... Hold on. I have to find my cue here. I lost my place on the chat because we spent time talking about this college uh, college football discussion. Ugh. My get it together goes to Jerry Jones and specifically the Scott Linehan situation with him firing the offensive coordinator in Dallas. Um, offense wasn't your problem during the course of these two playoff games. I would say that if you guys had a problem with your the course of your playoff games this year, it falls more on the shoulders of your head coach, Jason Garrett, than it did on Scott Linehan. Because you could clearly see, and we talked about this earlier when I talked about the Rams offensive lineman being my stud for the week, 273 yards rushing to 50, and yet they kept giving Ezekiel Elliott the ball against the Rams. They kept giving Ezekiel Elliott the ball against the uh, against the Seahawks, even though the Seahawks were shutting down Zeke as well. Prescott is the one who won those, that game for them against Seattle. Prescott's the one that kept them as close into the game against the Rams as they were, only losing by eight points. I don't think that this is necessarily just a Scott Linehan thing. I think that this is more of a Jason Garrett thing. And I think that there are a lot of Dallas Cowboys fans that will agree that while it's nice to be able to get to these divisional playoff games, this team is not going to go much further with Jason Garrett in charge. Well, well,
2: I think a lot of that, um, where the blame goes, depends upon who's making the play calls on the offense.
1: But yes, I would, it, I wouldn't be surprised if that's Garrett having a hand in that as well.
0: I I don't necessarily know because if you look at Garrett's body of work, if you match that to Cowboys' expectations, I agree. But at the same time, say you get rid of Garrett, who are you going to bring yeah, in? That's the big going issue. To deal with Mike Garrett? McCarthy. You really think Mike McCarthy's gonna put up with Jerry Jones?
1: <laughs> I I think that to have the Dallas Cowboys job, I think Jerry Jones, in order to have a coach with the national clout that McCarthy does, I believe that Jones would be willing to be a little bit more hands-off. Oh, come on.
0: You're talking about a man who has a weekly radio show. Not only
2: that, but also Mike McCarthy, I would think at least, yes, the Cowboys have some pieces, but... Over the last 20 years, they have hardly done anything and, and they just seem to be cursed at this point. Does he really want to go and risk his legacy in the dumpster fire that is Dallas?
0: Plus, you're also dealing with, yes, an extremely simplistic offense, but a limited quarterback. You saw how things were even wearing down in Green Bay with Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers, who is more talented and has a much better arm and a lot of those tangible qualities. So that would be taking an even further step backwards. I don't like the timing of this situation because it's hard to find a replacement. But at the same time, Linehan was your biggest contributor now the real question is if they do find someone to make the proper tweaks can Dak step up mm-hmm. if he can he'll get a good chunk of money if not then he'll be destined to be a career backup elsewhere
2: he'll be tiny roma roma
1: 2.0 yeah oh i'm gonna state for the record i fully expect Dak not to be the starter in dallas come 2020 the start of the 2020 season, not the 2019 season, the one that'll start in September, but mm-hmm. the following September 2020, Dak Prescott will not be the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. Wow. Hey,
0: I can't I can't argue Harry's point.
1: That's extremely realistic. All right, let me let me get the notebook out because it's time for our predictions. We go to the conference championship round of things here. Brandon and myself both went three and one straight up, four and zero against the spread last week. Boom. Hello. Yeah. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Now again. No. Can hear Okay, just making sure. I had some I had some mic issues there for a second. Eric, you were zero and one, zero and two. You were one and three against the spread, two and two straight up. Ugh. Yeah, Andrew Locke,
0: Will Watts, Sean Payton, I would have hit all
1: of y'all with the two by four. Ew. Jason, two and two, one and three straight up. Or two and two straight, two and two straight up, one and three against the spread.
3: Yeah, my spreads were off. All
1: right, so. Based on what I'm seeing on ESPN, both of these games are at the three line. It is three ah! and a half. It is three and a half for the NFC when the Rams go to the Superdome to take on the Saints. Three Brandon, and a half for the for the state for the Saints. Three and a half for the Saints, home favorites in both games.
2: I I think I have to take the Saints here. Yes, the Rams are a good team, but like I mentioned before, they're a young team. It's the Superdome. The Saints have been playing great. Um, yeah, Saints are going to win this one.
1: Uh, do they cover three and a
2: half? Yes.
1: Oh, yeah. Final score. Um,
2: I'll say
1: 28-17. Eric. NFC title game.
0: As soon as I saw that these lines were set at three apiece and they haven't hovered much, this would be way too dangerous. I'm probably gonna be kicking myself for this. But from what I have seen from the Saints the past month, they're going they've been a much more defensive team. Their offense. Has struggled, even at the Superdome. With everything going on, I'm picking the Rams.
1: Final score.
0: 24-20.
1: So they actually cover the three and a half in the other direction.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
3: They would have been,
1: if they would have been favorites, they would have covered.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jason, I'm taking the Rams 45 to 42.
1: I'm with Jason here. I think this game is a shootout. I think that this game is going to come down to another offensive fireworks show, like what we saw in the regular season between these two teams. 4535 there. I don't think it goes quite that high here though. I think the Saints win and advance to the uh, to the Super Bowl 3831 thus covering the three and a half. In the AFC championship game, it is Kansas City minus3 against New England. Brandon? Yeah,
2: I mean I would love to see the Chiefs win. But I think uh, Reed shows what he always does, and Belichick shows what he always does, and the Patriots win. Um, I'm gonna go thirty five twenty one.
3: Eric.
0: <sighs> Tom Brady and Bill Belichick have not won an AFC championship game on the road since 2006. Young quarterbacks, especially in the playoffs, do not fare well against Tom Brady. However, this Patriots team is only 3-5, and five outside of Foxboro this season. With the weather being now as favorable as it is, for the first time since 1970, the Kansas City Chiefs will be in the Super Bowl. And for the first time ever, and this is why I had the hashtag, it's coming, Mahomes, the Lamar Hunt Trophy will reside in Kansas City. Chiefs take it twenty-two sixteen. Did you say twenty-two or twenty-two sixteen? <laughs> twenty-two double deuce sixteen.
2: So they're gonna get a two point conversion.
0: Something weird is going to happen. It might be a field goal fest.
1: <laughs> uh yeah, I was about to say Butker kicks five field goals. Fair enough. Jason. Uh Pat's twenty eight
3: twenty-four.
1: I actually have I'm right I'm more along the lines of Eric with this in terms of the score line, but I have it flipped the other way. I I do not trust what basically amounts to a rookie quarterback against Bill Belichick and Tom Brady in an AFC championship game. I respect the fact that he had his opportunity to play week 17 of last year, but that was a week 17 garbage game against the Oakland Raiders last year. And while his numbers this year are impressive, the biggest games of his season this year, he lost new England, San Diego on a Thursday night and the Monday night slug fest with new Orleans. You did it again, by the way. What did I do? What picked, well if I would have went first, you would have no, picked the same thing. No, people no, with no, me. no, 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 no. You said the wrong city. Did I call wait, I called San Diego again. <laughs> <Yay. God damn. laughs> Old habits die. Oh, I know. Los I agree. I agree. Los Angeles, whatever.
2: I still want to call we, them the St.
1: Louis Rams. New England twenty four, Kansas City twenty. Patriots win. And set up what I've said from the preseason on this show. Patriots, Saints in the Super Bowl, gentlemen. I have a question. Yes. Are we skipping next week?
3: Um, yes. Unless you want to do a bonus show after uh, dark. Uh,
2: unless you just want to do like the the review of the do a quick review of the championship game.
3: And maybe or, a preview or, of
0: the AAF. <laughs>
3: well, we I thought we were do doing a, that after the Super Bowl. Oh yeah.
2: Or
3: we could do that. or we could do a recap of our preseason predictions and how everything shake, shake out. Up.
1: I mean, yeah, I could go back and listen to the college episode, but unfortunately I don't think we ever got I don't think we ever really got an NFC in an official playoff prediction episode on tape. We didn't on tape, but I think we sent our predictions to you. We did. I would have to search. That yes, you would. Yeah, be... I
3: don't.
1: Yeah, I don't know that I have those. I'll have to look into that. Um, I'm going to state for the record that odds are. Let's be honest here, people. The Pro Bowl game is the one next Sunday. No one fucking cares. cares.
2: Plus, for us wrestling fans, it's Royal Rumble weekend. Anyway, in there yeah.
0: It's, like, NHL All-Star game and the Pro Bowl. And I also believe it'll be right around the time of the NBA.
2: I think the NBA is, like, a couple of weeks after that, if I remember correctly.
0: So, yeah, yeah, I've got other things to do that day. All right, fuck Let's stop doing this. For tutoring, so.
1: The kickoff is going to take a Pro Bowl break but I'm going to break the news to Jason and Brandon now of something that Eric already knows. We will discuss the conference championship games by doing studs and duds on the following Wednesday's episode. Okay. Eric, shall shall we tell them what we discussed and make it official? (laughs) Oh God. Uh, It It is the kickoff super prediction.
3: Spectacular. We are going prop bets up Oh yes, you told me, you told Bowl. us about this. Yeah, yeah, you told us about this. Let's go. Well, let's uh, let's, let's make in. it
1: official to the listeners. We will be predicting we will be predicting all four of us twenty different things about the Super Bowl. Everything from the coin toss, whether it lands heads or tails and who wins it, all the way up to and including your Super Bowl MVP winner, and your final score for Super Bowl 53 on February 3rd. Are you
2: going to give all these a... to us beforehand, or are you just going to shoot them at us on the fly?
1: Um, I will probably have a list for you guys beforehand so you have time to think about it.
0: Uh,
2: that makes a okay,
1: I will give
0: you a hint. If you are on the Action Network app, They have already released the line and certain betting tips for one of the props that will be
1: discussed. I'll go ahead and tell them it, because I know which one you're referring to. And this is one that Eric and I came up with. We're going to go over under on the length of the national anthem.
3: Mm -hmm. They released Uh, who's
1: singing it.
3: it. (laughs) Who's singing it?
0: Last night.
3: Oh, so she? Oh, yeah. That that's going to definitely be over because, and and Fox is going to promote the hell out of it because of the mass singer.
1: Oh, it's on.
0: yes. They're, they're, if you read the article, there's arguments either way with her singing style trends on the over under in recent years. They really break that down again. Action Network. If you wanna make money off of this, that's the place to go.
1: Hashtag Green Dot City. All I'm going to say is, I I will tease you guys with this here. Over, under, line straight up and against the spread. MVP, heads and tails for the opening kick. Various things that we'll see during the game. For example, this is one that, that Eric and I put together. You will be naming the top passer, receiver, and rusher for the Super Bowl. Regardless of team. Okay. And since
0: we have the matchup with the booth, even will not be safe with some of our props.
1: <laughs> I'm even gonna throw in a special one. And I'm announcing this one to everybody now because Eric didn't even know it. Will we get a Super Bowl doink? Oh, snap. <laughs>
3: I want to I well, <laughs> throw a prop out there. I want I to throw one out there just for the kickoff. Will you guys extend the show long enough for me to fall asleep during it? <laughs> God damn.
0: Over-under on the length of the show. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, that's actually a good one. Over-under for the length of the Super Bowl uh, review show. I had to get up.
3: I've had to get up and walk around twice. (laughs) I've been up since 5 a.m.
1: We have a bunch of crazy stuff. Gentlemen, enjoy your week off next week. You've earned it. We look forward to talking to everybody once again in a week and a half. We are just 12 days away from the biggest Sunday in professional football. It is Super Bowl Sunday coming up soon. Four. Wait, we're more than 12 days away. My math is off.
2: (laughs) Yeah, we're like, uh, we're we're 15 days
1: away. Thank you. I went the other way. You're right. My math was off. Thank you, Brandon. Four. Jason Teasley, Eric Watkins, and Brandon Biscabing. I'm Harry Broadhurst. This has been The Kickoff here on the W2M Network, available online at w2mnet.com. In addition, you can listen to us on all of your favorite podcast devices. iTunes, iHeartRadio, Freaker, Stitcher, Podbean, CastBox. Hey, Brandon, guess what? Spotify is here. And Jason's a dick. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you in a week and a half with your Super Bowl preview episode of The Kickoff on the W2M Network.